0: So what does your family portrait look like? We've been saying that a family portrait is a visual or a verbal description of a family with its dynamics and differences and difficulties all mixed in, the good and the bad. Now, our premise has been this, that our family portraits can change over time. God wants them to change for the better. So each week, we're looking at a specific portrait or picture, and we tell a story that could be true of that family. These stories we're using address the questions that you guys gave us earlier in the year to help us with this series. And so after we look at the story, then we're going to be going to the Bible to address issues in that family's story. Each week we share our theme verse, and let's look at it again today, Proverbs 7, 4. This is our theme for the whole series. Make insight a treasured member of your family. Make insight a treasured member of your family. Think of the family members you love. You you may not like them all, but you love them, right? Think think of how you treasure your, your family relationships and those that you love. That's what we're seeing here from the scripture that we can make God's insight, God's wisdom, God's ways of doing life, and particularly in this series, doing family. We can do that, all right? Because God's Word, the Bible, has a lot of great info on families. And if we'll treasure it, that's the key here, we make it treasured in our families, it can have an awesome effect. So in this series, we're not out to just, you know, add a little Bible here, a little verse here, and, you know, we'll have a little better marriage, whatever. No, no, no. We're wanting to truly treasure God's Word, to greatly value it to the point we apply it to our lives where we try doing family God's way. And as a result, our families are incredibly blessed.
1: So here's our family for this week. Now, if you take a look at them, you, you know, you would say, hey, they're having some fun. They, they even took the time and they, they took a family portrait where they all have one of those goofy faces. Well, they seem to probably have it all together if you just walk by and saw this portrait. Well, if you were to ask how things are going, you might hear them say something like this. The parents might tell you, well, last week, our little boy, we called him, or he got caught at school looking at porn on his phone. You might you, you might hear the mom and dad say that all three girls all they do 24/7 is tweet, text and post all day long. That, that we, we can't even have a conversation with these kids because this is what's happening all the time. Now if you would talk to dad specifically alone, he would tell you that he feels like they're losing their kids to the the social the social media culture of today, and this conflict that that occurs. It feels like it's a us versus them, parents versus kids mentality in the home. And the kids, if you were to talk to them, they hate each other. Uh, they they fight all the time. They they're always screaming. They're always arguing. They're always putting each other down. They're always mom and dad are having to you know break up the girls, you know, like they're almost coming to blows. And then every once in a while it does. And they pick on the little brother, and he's totally innocent in everything, <laughs> right? Well, you know that, that's what's happening there. Then if you were to talk to mom, mom would tell you that she feels like and tells all of her girlfriends that her husband rarely listens to her that he he never spends much time at all having a healthy conversation with her. He doesn't show her much affection, and he generally doesn't have a clue. Now, this family, they have some interesting dynamics, differences, and difficulties. And um, today, we're going to take a look at some insights from the Bible that they should treasure that could help them and maybe help you too. I did it again. (laughs) It's my turn again, so here we go. Thank you, thank you. Um, We're not perfect up here in case you didn't know. Uh, We're gonna start with the first question. Remember, you guys submitted a lot of these questions that helped us with that, and so that's where these stories are coming from. How does a parent deal with the kid's constant use of these smartphones, this 24-7 uh, texting, posting, having access to bad things on the internet, etc. How do? How should mom and dad here in our photo? How should our portrait? How should they deal with that? Well, we're going to help out a little bit today with some insight. First is this: set boundaries and follow through. Mom and dad here should set some boundaries with these devices, and then follow through with what they've said. And uh, sometimes that requires uh, discipline. Proverbs 29, 17, discipline your children, and they will give you peace of mind. If mom and dad, if you got kids and you've just been stressed out lately, this could be one of your answers. Uh, I'm not, I don't mean kill your children. I said discipline your children, they'll give you peace of mind, and they will make your heart glad. That's an amazing scripture in the Bible, in case you didn't know it was there. Um, listen, here's how it could go. Here's the, here's the boundaries. Uh, cell phones, guys, you can use them at certain times, but at, during this time period at home, we're not using them. We're going to actually interact with each other. We're gonna we're gonna talk. Um, uh, internet usage is allowed at certain times. You know, we can't. You're not going to be texting your. You can't text your. Fr- we would not. We don't want you to text your friends at dinner uh, and those things. And after nine o'clock, it's all over. I mean, whatever, but some sort of boundary. Now, if they break the boundaries, mom and dad should deal out the consequences that they set. I know I'm getting like horrible, horrible vibes from you know a lot of folks in here at the moment. <laughs> now, just so you know, I'm not a social media hater. I have a Facebook page. The church has a Facebook page. You can friend me on Facebook if you want to. Uh, I'll accept it, maybe. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll accept it. So uh, I'm not. We're, I'm not against these things, but what we understand is that social media alone, and this texting between friends, and just this constant communication via uh, some a device, it that alone is not going to build healthy relationships between people. Um, it's a tool that you can use, and that's fine. But it that you have to have more than that. It's not going to build healthy relationships between parents and kids, or kids and other kids, or adults and adults. Um, There might be an adult or two in here that's addicted to the same type of thing. And by the way, um, especially for kids in the home, cell phones are a convenience, but they're not a necessity. Mom and dad here should not be afraid to take them away.
0: What? Are you (laughs) kidding me?
1: And you know one reason why mom and dad may not do that is because then it makes their life harder. But... Sometimes the parents should parent. Uh, here's a here's another thing that they could do to deal with all of this um, this non-interacting with actual people part uh, of their kids' lives. Mom and dad should accept the fact that raising kids is not about you versus them, you versus the kids. It's about mom and dad leading the kids. This is a big deal. The mom and dad should spend talking to their children, not at their children. Come on, mom and dad. I mean, (laughs) yeah, the kids should at least be elbowing at this (laughs) point. Um, Mom and dad here should own their part of the problem. Mom and dad should own the fact that they probably created this environment where there's no relationship between them and their kids, and their kids are seeking it out another way, and that it's gotten out of hand. Mom and dad should probably have a family meeting type of thing and say something like this. We've neglected to lead well, but we want to change that. We want to fix that today. This is some insight that these folks should use. Uh, they should say maybe something as parents, we're going to start taking a genuine interest in your life. Not just to tell you what not to do, but really take an interest in what's going on in your life and, and where you're headed and, and what, what's happening with you. They, they should say, you know, we want to help where we need to help. And we want to support where we need to support. And then we will begin to correct where we need to correct. We're going to actively love you. This is some insight that mom and dad could be using. And you've heard this scripture in the series before, Proverbs 22, 6. Teach children in a way that fits their needs. And even when they're old, they'll not leave the right path. It is the parent's responsibility. In In case you missed that. It's the parent's responsibility to lead their children and give them a healthy example to follow. Here's another piece. Mom and dad here could should actually create a legacy of loving each other. They they, they should create a legacy. uh, They should have meaningful and rich relationships with each other and with their kiddos. They shouldn't let social media and friends raise their children. But they have, and that's why they have the problem they've got. But they shouldn't do that. Parents shouldn't make everything about the kids I'm not talking about making kids number one in the home and we do everything our kids want and we're our kids' best friend because kids shouldn't be number one in the home. Mom and dad should be number one in the home. I know God should be number one, but we're talking you know, people face-to-face. Mom and dad should be number one. But the answer to this cell phone media addiction, this non-interacting with people, here it is in a nutshell. Teach your children in a way that fits their needs. Find out what their gifts, talents, and abilities are, what their callings are from God, and then you teach
0: them how to live it. Chad talked about there being a lot of conflict in the family, the kids hating on each other and just a lot of conflict and negative stuff. Well, uh, we're going to turn this around and make it on ourselves today because every now and then we're the problem, right? Every now and then. So we're going to put it on us talking about these kind of words. Now, I need your help here, okay? I'm going to start a saying, and hopefully you can finish it for me. Here it goes. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will... What a crock. Words will never hurt me. Please. That is hogwash. If we was preaching, we'd say that a lie from the pit of hell, but we're not doing that. That was silly. I'm sorry. <laughs> words do matter. Words do hurt. Words have caused wars in the history of our planet. They're huge. And so what biblical insight can we get to help us with our words? Let's look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. Thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword, but wisely spoken words can heal. Thoughtless words wound, wise words heal guys words are powerful they are powerful they can wound or heal there is power in our mouth on our tongue when we speak there is power especially in the home our words really affect other people now there's a lot in the bible about words in general there's a lot about god's words and he said let there be light and creation started right jesus said My words give life to you. And then there's a lot of verses talking about our words for each other, like the one we've looked at here in Proverbs. Well, there's a lot of stuff about words, and it's a real sign of maturity when you have self-control over your words, where just because somebody pushes your button a little bit, you don't lash out immediately with your words, because you're maturing in this, and you understand that words can wound or they can heal. So... In the home, if we are careful about our own words, we can encourage others to do the same. If I begin to model in my family being kind and being patient, and my words not being not being sharp, and even if I have to correct, there's a positive way to do that. If I'm careful about my words, I can improve the atmosphere in the home, and by example, I can affect others, and their words can change too. All right, let's go on to another question about this family We heard that they have marital communication problems. It's not going great. So how do we give life-giving communication in marriage specifically? Now, if you were here two weeks ago, men, we got a big, strong challenge last week when we talked about men, and we said, wives, your time's coming, and your time's today. (laughs) But men, I want to review the main point of what we said, and if you weren't here two weeks ago, I just beg you, go back and listen to that message two weeks ago, part three of this series where we talked about what God wants men to be in the marriage, okay? Here's the main point from that. Ephesians 5.25, for husbands, this means love your wife just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. So we said, husbands, we're to be like Jesus in the family, in the marriage, and Jesus laid down his life. He died willingly. He put our needs first. And so husbands, we said, her needs first. Her needs first. And if you're here, you might remember We all got real serious when we said, we just got to be Jesus in the marriage, guys. No no big deal. You just got to be Jesus. It's a challenge, but it's healthy. It's so good for us. Now, in communication, here's how it affects it. Husbands, we need to respect your wife's need to talk and be heard. This is how you put her needs first in communication. Respect her need to talk and to be heard. Sometimes it's a quantity thing. She may need to talk more than you do, and that's fine. And she also needs quality attention when she's talking, you you know, not doing the remote thing, uh-huh, uh-huh, you know, really focused attention. Well, God made her that way, and it's fine. She communicates so well so often, and so, men, initiate listening. You, you want to sh- rock your wife's world? Come home and say, honey, tell me all about your day. I'm ready to listen. Just, just try it, and she'll get off the floor and see if you're serious and, and talk to you. Well we got to believe this, husbands, that what she has to say is just as important as what I have to say. And so we give her a chance to be heard. Uh, My wife teaches fourth grade here in Bay City, and it's a challenging job. Those 80 kids, she's trying to teach how to write for the big test and all that. It's just challenging. And some days it's more challenging than others. And so she'll come home, and we kind of have this understanding. We have the daily debrief. You know, how was school? And she talked as long as she needs to. Sometimes we'll walk around the neighborhood, and we, she's talked and talked, and then she'll make a joke. See that tree up there? When you get to that tree, uh, I'm going to quit talking about school, and I'll ask you how your day was. So we, we have this understanding, and it's so healthy. She needs to talk. She needs me to listen. Well, that's our deal, men, in communication. Now, wives, It's your turn today, all right? Get ready. Here it comes. Ephesians 5.22. Wives, place yourselves under your husband's authority as you have placed yourselves under the Lord's authority. Place yourself under authority. Some translations of this passage use the word submit. Wives, submit to your husband. And I want to tell you today, that has been misinterpreted and misapplied for generations. It is not a statement of the wife being inferior to the husband. It's not a quality statement at all. As a matter of fact, Christianity has elevated women more than anything else in history. No, it's not a put-down. It's asking the wives to be willing to put themselves under the husband. The root of these words... Uh, reflect a military term. So picture an army in the morning, they're about to go to war, and so the general comes out, and all the soldiers come out, and they get in formation, they're at attention, and they're listening to the general, and they get together and go to war. The general's the leader, but how could a general win a war without good soldiers, right? Well, that's what God is saying. So in the home, here is God's order, all right? God at the top, Chad mentioned earlier, husband, wife, kids, this is the order of authority in the home that God wants established. Now, if a wife will embrace this and try to place herself under that husband's authority, knowing it's not a put-down, it's just I'm being I'm a, uh, choosing to be put in the right place. This can bring such energy to the home. Uh, it can allow the husband to try to lead and. It can just do a number of things. One other thing is that it sets up a policy in the marriage. So most decisions couples make together, right? That's just natural. But sometimes there's a decision, and they just can't get together. They're close, but they can't get together. And the husband says, you know, honey, uh, we don't quite agree, but I really feel like it's time. And so I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this decision. Here, here's where I want to go. And women... Wives, that's your point of choice. You can choose to say, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it, you're stupid, or you know whatever. You can just fly off. Or you can say, you know what, honey, I disagree, but I love you, and I'm willing to let you lead. I'll keep praying for you. And when a husband hears that, he walks away going, oh, wow, she's not going <laughs> to oppose me at all. I think I'll pray some more. Uh, recently, my wife and I were making some big decisions, and we came about this close on something. And she finally said, You know what, Ed? I trust you. And I thought, I'm gonna pray some more. <laughs> I want to try to be sure I get this right because she's trusting me, right? And, and here's a cool thing, wife sometimes you do that, the husband pulls the trigger, and it's a disaster. I mean, he was so wrong, it is ugly. And the fallout, oh my gosh, you're thinking, Well, well we survived this. But here's a big dynamic, wives, that God really wants you to hear today. If you're putting yourself under that husband's authority, whose authority are you under ultimately? God's authority. And God has said, this is how I want the home to be. And when a wife puts herself under her husband's authority, she's honoring God. And so here's what what I think God does. Something like this. All right, that couple made that decision. And the husband pulled the trigger, and boy, did he blow it. My goodness. He, what was he thinking? But look at that wife's attitude. God says, what? look at that attitude. She was respectful to him. She was submissive in a healthy way. She was honoring me by trying to place herself under her husband's authority. And so it's like this umbrella, wives. There's this umbrella of God's protection and blessing in our families, And even if there's a mistake, if you have a good attitude, God will look at your good attitude and say, because of that wife's attitude, I'm going to minimize the fallout. We've experienced this in our family when I pulled the trigger, made a mistake, and God just somehow kept it from wiping us out. And I think it was because my wife's attitude was submissive and wanting to be under authority. So wives, let me urge you. God's watching. He wants to bless you. And even if your husband blows it, he's going to be there. This also can allow your husband to grow from his mistakes. He doesn't feel beat up by you. You're not saying, I told you, so, <laughs> you know, any of that. He's like, wow, I pulled that trigger, and what a disaster. And, hmm. See, you freed him to grow as well.
1: All right, so we're, we're still headed towards the marital communication. Stick in there with us. Um, if you were filling out your Connect card and tuned that out, it's time to tune back in. <laughs> now, Let's tie this principle of order to another verse a little further in the same passage in the Bible, Ephesians 5.33. But every husband must love his wife. This is a command from God. Husbands must love his wife as he loves himself, and wives should respect their husbands. Another command from God. In marriage, respect is given, not earned. Now, as I said this morning in the first service, I feel like today I am especially in tune with what a lot of women might be thinking. You might be thinking this. Yeah, I, I, I hear that and I hear what you're saying and you know, I'm supposed to respect my husband, but what if my husband doesn't deserve respect? What if he doesn't deserve me I mean he hasn't he hasn't come through? What what if he's what What about that? It's not fair. Well, if your husband doesn't deserve respect, and he may not, you do it anyway. It doesn't change God's command. Marriage is not a contract where it's up to you to make sure the other person fulfills their responsibilities. Marriage is a promise and a covenant where you guarantee that you will fulfill your responsibilities. You might want to write that down if you've been struggling with it. It can change things for you, change your, your perspective a little bit. A wife respects her husband when she treats him in a positive manner, and it's in a manner that acknowledges. It acknowledges him for his role and who he is in the relationship. Folks, the, the order of the home that God set up is a massive responsibility for the husband. It's huge. It's, uh, you know, when the wife communicates to him that she appreciates the fact that he's answering to God for whatever choices he has to make or whatever he does. When she shows him by, the, by her actions that she takes his role seriously as a husband, what it does is it presents to the husband as respect. And respect is a very important thing. It's a huge thing to the male psyche. If you, if you don't believe me, just, just watch one guy disrespect another and see what happens. Just if you feel disrespected. I mean, the fight may be on. If you'll follow God here, though, you can change things in your own. I, I know it's none of y'all, but she, she can change things. <laughs> In her marriage. Now, to a husband, good communication is all about a respectful tone. Our our wife here should consider how she would talk to her husband in some situations. Let me give you an example. Um, Let's say she, these, these three people I'm about to talk about, let's just say they're all guys, okay? So her boss at work makes a horrible decision. Would she walk up to the boss and say, that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen anybody do. You are a fool, she probably wouldn't do that. Why? Because it would be out of order and it wouldn't make things go well. What about what if, what if she's speeding and she gets pulled over by the cop and he taps, you know, she rolls down the window and would she do say something like, "Who are you, the Lone Ranger? I was I was only going 10 miles over. Don't you have better things to do than pick on ladies like me?" Um, I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> But most likely, she's not going to do that. Why? She would be out of order. Out of that, she'd be like stepping out, and it's not going to go well. What What if she's in court and the judge hands down a decision? This is my judgment on this issue. Would she? What, would she stand up and say, Your Honor, what the heck have you been smoking? <laughs> she's not going to do that. Why? Because she would be out of order. Because she, in all these instances, whether she agreed or not, whether she even liked the person or not, at the very least, she's going to give that respect to that role. Listen very, very carefully. Ladies, you should respect your husband more than those three people. You should respect your husband more than you would respect the judge or the cop or the boss.
0: Now, wives, if you're serious about trying to have really good communication with your husband and you're trying to get your arms around this respectful tone kind of thing, there's help for you, okay? I want to suggest, wives, you ask your husband simply, help me understand how I can talk to you more respectfully. I guarantee you, you'll get some feedback. Help me understand. I, I want to know what words and actions make you feel respected and which ones don't. Help me Give a respectful tone in our communications. I urge you, wives, to try that. Back in 2004, my family was on vacation, and uh, I grew up loving Spider-Man, my favorite superhero, okay? Maybe because my friends called me spider webbing. I don't know. Anyhow, in uh, 2004, the second Spider-Man movie came out, Spider-Man 2, and I was pumped. And so we're on vacation, and I'm, I'm not the guy who ever goes to the midnight opening first feature or whatever, but in this case, oh, yeah, I'm there for the first one. I have teenage boys, so I take it with me, and Lori and my daughter stay back at the hotel. And so me and the boys go to watch Spider-Man, and it is so good. He's taking care of the bad guys, and him and Mary Jane finally can get together, and they love each other, and it's all good until Spider-Man gets to thinking one day, you know what? She's in danger being connected to me. I've got bad guys trying to kill me all the time. And she could get hurt in the crossfire. And so Spider-Man breaks up with the love of his life to protect her. And so later in the movie, he's sitting in his apartment depressed and lonely. I mean, he's really pathetic. And And the reason he's there, it's because Mary Jane is getting married to this other guy who's been chasing her for a long time. So he's depressed. Mary Jane's getting married. But then something happens. He hears a noise. And he turns around. And there's Mary Jane in her wedding dress in his doorway. And she says, I couldn't do it. I love you. I've come here. we got to make this work. And let's pick it up right there. I love you. So here I am standing in your doorway. I have always been standing in your doorway. Isn't it about time somebody saved your life? I never get tired of that scene. <laughs> so they, she says she loves him, and there's the big smooch, and it's all great. And you're thinking, I don't need to kiss like that. Anyway, then the siren comes up. And what's he do? He turns because that's his passion. That's his calling. That's the thing that he feels like is in his heart that makes a difference in the world. He turns to the siren. They have just got together, but he looks and looks at her. That look in his face was so good. And she says, go get them, tiger. Oh. So after the movie that night, 2 a.m. now, right, me and the boys leave. And on the way to the car, I said, hey, guys, when she said that, it just touched something in me as a husband. I said, what did y'all think? Is it just me? They're like, oh, no, Dad. Oh, no, we get it. That's how we want our gal to talk to us. So why? I really hope you'll consider our words about how big a deal it is to respect your husband. And that tone can make such a huge, huge difference. So now, 14 years later, I'm getting ready to go to church. It's my big day of the week, obviously. And so I, I'm coming in the, in the morning. It's and this I, morning. That's right. Okay. 14 years later. To, that's right. Today. <laughs> so I did the mess. See, two, 2004 to 2018. Uh, so I'm getting ready to come to church. It's my big day, of course. And I always come before Lori. She comes a little later. And so I always say bye. And so I, I went to where she was, and I said, hey, I'm leaving. Goodbye. And she says to me, go get them, tiger. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> well, wives, I really hope you'll consider this. I hope you'll consider talking to your husband and learning to do things and say things that inspire him, that energize him, that let you know he's behind you. As you do that, your communication can go to a whole new level. So if we will
1: treasure the insights that come from the Bible, the things we've talked about today and over the last few weeks in this series, then if we'll treasure them and apply them into our family's lives, what can happen is... You know that that feeling you get when you look at your family portrait right now. For some, for some of us, it may be great. For others, it may be, oh man, you know, this. You know, it, may, it reminds me of some maybe not good things. But if we we'll begin to treasure God, treasure these insights and apply them, that that thing that wells up in us when we see our family portrait or we hear a description about our family, those those things that well up can become extremely positive. They can become like, you know what? Yeah, we've been through some stuff, but I'm so thankful for this family today. I'm so I'm so glad to see what God has done in, in my family's life. I'm so glad to see how he's taking care of my wife or my husband or my kids or my parents. It can definitely change your family portrait for the better if you apply these insights. You guys stand up with us. We want to... Let you know that after the, right here in just a second, there'll be people on either side of the stage ready and willing to pray for you personally if you need some sort of prayer for anything at all in your life. I want to remind those, that have, that have, those of you that are guests, take that card back to where you got it, and they'll trade you for that free gift. Let's pray. Lord, I lift up every single person in here, and we thank you for, we just thank you for speaking into our hearts, for helping us out with some things in our families today, and I pray that you remind us the things that you spoke specifically to each one of us, the things that will make a difference in our lives. God, bring us back next week ready to hear the things you're going to say to us some more. and uh, We just pray that folks today and this whole week are blessed. In Jesus' name we pray.